0: What it is and what it ain't good, people. It's your boy Travis, AKA Jiggy Rico, back at it again for another installment of NOLA Reservations. I know we've been gone for a minute and have kept y'all waiting for new content as we laid more groundwork for the show. And we are proud to say that the wait is over. We are back and better than ever. And we got a lot of exciting conversations on the horizon coming to y'all soon. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome and appreciate you for giving my show a listen. We talk about a lot of stuff on here. Our first episode focused on the state of New Orleans entrepreneurial ecosystem before, during, and what we imagined would be after the pandemic. After some introspection, we decided to take the show in a slightly different direction. These episodes chronicle my personal journey of discovery and cultural awareness in New Orleans while embarking on my vision as a future founder. In a nutshell, I sit down with dope people who do dope shit across multiple industries to discuss how aspiring entrepreneurs like myself can rebuild ecosystems in their respective cities. We also chat about our guests' experiences and what we can do to create impact in our communities, especially for black and minority-owned businesses. Each episode is followed up with thought pieces posted on our blog on Medium so we can keep the conversation going and foster more thought. I'll link y'all with that in the description, but for now, Let's get into today's episode. Come on, they need this own DJ position.
1: by my boy Derek house everybody hop up in the back of the truck we about to
0: head down women Liquor, niggas you can today we are reporting to you live from mr wolf espresso and art and design bookstore here in the cbd shout out to the homie wayne for the amazing space i have the distinct honor and pleasure of sitting down with an incredible person who has a truly fascinating journey I've learned that I'm really terrible at intros, so I'm not even gonna try and embarrass myself. Uh, I'll just turn it over to the man himself to let y'all know what he's all about. Please welcome the one, the only, Adrian Mendez. Adrian, thanks so much for joining me today, man. Thank you, thank
1: you. Great radio voice, by the way. Thanks, I, I practice it. You just turned often. it on, it was amazing, <laughs> you know? Um. A little bit about myself, and I'm happy to answer, you know, we'll get d- deeper in the conversation of where I am now in my journey. I help run um, two establishments here in the city. Uh, one is called Bacchanal Wine. Just about making, we just made about 20 years. Um, and the other one is the Elysian Bar in the Marigny, uh, where we just made three years, which happened super fast. Um, other than that, husband, my beautiful wife, is here. Uh, new puppy dad, you hey. know, and just happy to be here supporting the cause.
0: Absolutely
1: man, appreciate you so much for joining yeah. us. Um, so,
0: why don't we get right into it? Let's do it. Uh, to kick things off, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are? What are the things that you're passionate about? What are some of your motivations and how do you like to spend your time outside of your daily grind? Um, I'll, t-
1: I'll, tell, I'll just share a little bit about my story. Hmm. about how and that, how that influences what I like to do and, and where I am now. Uh, so um, originally, my family's from El Salvador. Uh, I was actually born in Nicaragua. Um, we were just in El Salvador. My parents were in El Salvador. And it was right in the early 80s. Civil war was going on. They were very involved in kind of the civil war side on the left side, on the guerrilla side, and had to leave the country. So when I was born in Nicaragua, we lived there for about eight months and also had to flee that country as well. It was a full, full war-fledged, and then we ended up going to Mexico City. Um, I ended up living in Mexico City for about three and a half years, and we're very fortunate as a family that we were granted political asylum in Canada. So we moved to Montreal when I was about four or five, and my sister was born in Canada. Move, yeah, that's, you know, kind of the whole different countries, yeah, you know, yeah. very fast. And uh, actually, French is my second language. No way. Before yeah. English. Before English, yeah. Oh wow. I didn't speak a lick of English when I moved here at 10. That was in 92. Um, yeah, so luckily ended up having, you know, a city like New Orleans to come to where there was a little bit of French influence. I yeah. ended up going to a French emergent school uh, that I didn't have to lose too many grades. Uh, and yeah, so got to New Orleans, established roots here, my family all made their way to New Orleans in a very different way as well. Yeah. And the reason we ended up coming here is because my uncle uh, opened a restaurant here. It's called Tagorea Corona. Just made 33 years. We're on magazine. And it really brought the family together. And in in, in many ways, where I am now, has a lot to do with that establishment and building a family business, being part of a family business, trying to escape a family business and coming back to the industry that the family business is in. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and I grew up in new Orleans, love it. Uh, my high my wife and I went to high school together, Aww. you know, uh, I tried to leave new Orleans, but it kept calling me back. <laughs> and so been here, um, went to school in Chicago, came back post Katrina. Like actually I came, I graduated in 2005. Katrina happened that August. Mm-hmm. Uh, House got flooded, businesses were flooded. The whole nine, we went to Houston, try to figure things out. And I think that's really where it triggered me to really think beyond what, what was in front of us. My family was able to come here to this country with nothing and really establish themselves. Yeah. But we also got everything pulled from under us very quickly. And a lot of that was we had businesses that were tied to a geographical location, mm-hmm. right? And so that was very like scary in that moment. Um, at the time, I think I was the only college graduate in the family. And it was like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what, what's the and next that, move, that right? That defining moment where you're going right. to figure out what are you going to be and what right. are you going to do with the rest of your life. Exactly. And thinking through what that exactly, what does that mean and how do you kind of open up more doors for people. Yeah. Um, so we're fortunate enough to come back to the city, reestablish it. Uh, ended up moving to New York for a little bit. Thought about law school wasn't for me, I worked at, a, <laughs> worked at a corporate law firm, realized that it was not for me, um, but when I was in New York, I really was working really hard, it was, um, at the time, it was basically like working at the Goldman Sachs style uh, corporate office, and I would come back to New Orleans and just see how, just how fucked up the city really was, Yeah, you know, I was here through the storm, we evacuated the day of, came back for a year, helped reestablish things, and felt when I was here, with your heads down? I don't know if you guys experienced this with Ida, but you're like, oh, yeah, I think we're we're past the recovery. We're good to go. And then you go to a hyper-functioning city like New York and you're like, and come back, and you're like, yeah, this place is still, we're still way, way devastated. Yeah, and needs a lot of support. So, and, and when I was in New York, I was like, why am I working this 80 hours a week for this corporation? Doesn't give a shit about me. And I can at least spend a couple, a year or two, putting in work to the city that I love, that's given me too, so much, yeah. and it's given some, my family so much. So in many ways, the story that, I'm, that carved it, itself out was very much how New Orleans kept is been part of my journey. Um, I was very passionate, and still am very passionate about public education, because that's what allowed me to be where I am. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up coming back on a whim after a year and some change, and decided to work in education. And I didn't really have a place. I just answered a bunch of Craigslist ads. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just like, figure it out. Right. Uh, ended up working with this organization called New Schools for New Orleans. It was in its infancy. It was a brand new startup. Um, at the time, it was like maybe four employees and about 12 interns. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we did is in the first three years that I was there, we opened about 15 charter schools here in the city. Amazing. And just kind of went through a whole process of learning how to scale, build, grow, which was always my frustration with my family's business, is not really understanding how... The Taqueria, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we were very much a small little local place, but really, like, we never got to the scaling part, right? Mm. And because once you start thinking about scaling, it's much more complex. Right. And so, got to see a lot of things, and really got felt like I was able to bring an impact to the city. so. Ended up doing education for about five years and then decided to, kind of my journey was like never not to just stay in education. That was in the goal, that was a kind of a pathway. Uh, went back, went to grad school, decided to stay here locally, went to Tulane. Um, and after Tulane decided to, kind of more on the business side, decided to launch a um, management company that consulted with businesses wow. and helped them grow and scale. And with that process, one of my clients was Bacchanal and as, uh, as we work together, uh, we help them scale and grow and really move from, you know, almost triple their revenue, uh, definitely more than triple their staffing size and build, help build the infrastructure so that they can scale. And Amazing. ended up doing that for a couple of years and decided to go in-house. And now I am where I am. And wow. Anyway, so wow, that's what man. What <laughs> a journey <laughs> it's it been. There.
0: I mean... There's so many things that, you know, we can dive into there. Yeah. Um I think one place that I want to start that I kept thinking about was how you originally said you had kept trying to leave New Orleans but it kept pulling you back. Yeah. As I as I heard you continue to talk about your journey, um I heard, I heard a lot of dare I say an obligation to community almost. It, oh, yeah, it, for you sure. felt it, it sounded like you you you've been impacted a lot by this city and it and it almost felt like you just had to give back to it in a way that it gave to you. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think as my family moved here, we came with nothing, mm. right? We really, we, my parents and I and my little sister drove from Montreal in a van. Wow. That's what oh, we yeah. had. Oh, yeah, just in Yeah, just came down here. Uh, and same thing with my uncle. He came here, worked, and opened, was able to open a business with very little resources, no credit, no banking, no backers, no investors Um, but the city itself allowed that to happen and and I know that sounds like very vague and it's kind of like (laughs) very very broad,
0: nebulous but you wouldn't understand you don't live in New Orleans
1: (laughs) (laughs) no, in many ways, you know a lot of things came together for us to be able to succeed in this place where I think it would have been much more difficult if we were trying to open a Mexican restaurant in Houston, Yeah. you know what I mean or you know, again, just coming in here, I was able to go to a public school that was, you know, in, an immersed French-language-speaking place. That's that, so
0: cool, by the way. I've never heard of that until this conversation. Yeah, in most
1: places, you have to pay premium tuition, yeah. you know. Or it's a uh, private school. It's a private or... school, yeah. It's a it's a real... Um, and this is a small city where we were able to really, like, build roots yeah. um, in a quick time. And... I never really appreciated New Orleans until it was taken away from me. Mm. And by that it was Katrina, yeah. right? And I think that really opened my eyes to how much the city really gave to me um, in many ways. You know, the the day-to-day things that you do, that you forget and you take for granted, like the barista you go see, yeah. you know, the bar that you go see, or the, the, you know, you hang out somewhere and you end up seeing everybody you went to high school with. And just having that access, right? New Orleans allows you to have spontaneity,
0: Yeah, it
1: allows you to be like independent but also have really near-touching reach to your community. Absolutely, lots
0: of support from the community. Right. right? They put on for you if they
1: really And it's there, right? So it's quick to access versus like a bigger city where you're like, oh yeah, my friend, we graduated together. We're going to meet two months from now, we're going to do a Cal invite and we're going to see each other for happy hour Right on, you know, January 15th yeah <laughs> because you're so busy and you can't really get around to really spend time here and a place like New Orleans you're like yo we're all hanging out come through and in 30 minutes you see you know half the people you know because they just decided to do it come yeah, by. so they just pulled up so New Orleans has been like that place that allowed not just for me my personal growth but also for my family's growth and I think it's it's always given us and so I always felt. And still feel obligated to give back to it as much as i can
0: absolutely man wow that's i mean i've only been here for about a year and two months now and it's been during the pandemic and i've i've really enjoyed myself i've learned a lot i've seen a lot i've connected with a lot of people i've launched a podcast yeah. i've dropped an album you know it, there's been a lot of opportunity that this city has given me and that's only that's been during a, a national pandemic right. uh, an international pandemic right. so it only it only makes me more excited more curious about what this city can actually open my eyes to and what opportunities can more naturally unfold when it's you know back to how it originally was quote unquote you know? right absolutely
1: it's uh, welcoming right it yeah. just walks, it opens doors yeah
0: um another piece that i wanted to dig into from from your intro You've touched a lot of different markets and industries. <laughs> I mean, I heard of food and spirit. I heard hospitality. I heard education. I heard consulting. So you never felt limited in one path. You, you've always felt like you just, whenever you felt like doing something, you just would up and do it. I mean, what kind of made you shift around so much?
1: Yeah, so none of this was, was pre-planned or preordained. Yeah. It was more like a lot of times the shifts happen... One door closes, another one opens kind of situation. But more often than not, one of my, I would say, challenges have been, like, over committing myself, right? Yeah. And just, like, I want to be involved in this. I want to be involved in that. I met this person. So, in many times, you know, for a long time, I I would say, like, three to four evenings of my time were strictly just for networking. Mm. Either meeting new people or, like, continuing that Relationship with with others, going to events, um, and you block out that
0: time. Like this is what I'm gonna do from this time to this time yeah. on these days of the week. Yeah, wow. yeah. And
1: I, I, the the hack that I came up with when it actually matters, when you're actually doing business, don't go to lunch, don't go to dinner, <laughs> do breakfast.
0: Interesting. Do breakfast. Do breakfast. Say now, more
1: about that. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Everybody's gonna be like, "Why the fuck am I here? Let's get to it." <laughs> yeah. You know, and in, or there's something else happening next, right? So. Mm. I think the there's a there's a duality of like having a you know a Friday leisure lunch in New Orleans yeah. which is great but also when you're trying to get things done a quick breakfast meeting yeah. one hour and you have somewhere else to go that's been my kind of my way to be more effective at that but um as I transition through through different things I think it's also like just my curiosity of like what else can I do right yeah. and so sometimes certain things feel very People want to put you in a box, but more often than not, you put yourself in a box and you're like, okay, I'm comfortable in this space and this is what I've learned to do. Yeah, so let me just keep doing this. Let me just keep doing it. And I've seen plenty of people that like 10 years down the road are like, I hate what I do. I don't know how to get out of it, you know, how to transition out of it. Um, And for me, it was always like, okay, let me try. I was always kind of doing multiple things at once. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a side hustle per se. I always had like more of a career-oriented role where right. I'm, you know, senior management where I'm doing yeah. something
0: pragmatic or right.
1: practical. Or exactly. But it's also like, all right, I'm going to take on this special project, right? Mm-hmm. So if my friend who is working at the city says, hey, I need a consultant for this project, are you interested? Sure, let's do it. Yeah. So oftentimes it's that saying yes to things has led to opening more doors than not.
0: Another piece that I wanted to dig into, you know, you talked a lot about your family influence. Though, when it came uh, time for an opportunity to, say, open a new, or or I'll say to to start a new business, Mm. you didn't go to, well, let's just do another taqueria. You decided to kind of branch out in a different direction. So what what inspired that decision?
1: Um, It wasn't, it it didn't go that linear. Uh, Right, right, naturally, (laughs) nothing ever does. No, no, but... um, you know, I think when I actually, when I moved back to New from New York, um, I wanted to do work in education, and I also, at the time, was thinking about opening uh, a taqueria, mm. right? Cause, well, oh, so that was on There the was brand. a moment. There was a moment in time. This is, like, in my mid-20s, mm-hmm. and what I saw when I was working in New York was, like, people that were, at the time, very, very miserable, making $150,000, which at the time was a lot in corporate law, and just being, like, miserable, like... Two years out, get out of there, go find something else. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if you made it to the top, you're making, you know, serious money. You're making over a million dollars. But that climb to get to 10 years out is, like, brutal. Yeah. And I was like, well, at least the it's first. Quite the climb. Yeah, and, like, and going back to, you know, thinking at the times, like, should I go to law school? Should I go spend three years and then come back to do this if this is the top of the game? Yeah. I was like, I could just go slang some tacos and make way more <laughs> taco money. Taco taco slanger, yeah. he makes a lot of money. You know? Make more money, have my own freedom, right? Uh, make my own rules, you know, not have the stress of having to work in this very uh, intense environment. Yeah. Obviously, that's simplifying because nothing's ever simple. Ever. Everything's hard. Uh, if you really get through it, it's really learning how to work with the hard. Mm-hmm. Um no, man, I, I stayed away from hospitality in many ways just because I was, like, kind of was... I didn't have a choice to get into it, Yeah, right? I grew up, I think, by the... your namesake, almost. Yeah, like, when I was 12 years old, I was working in a restaurant, yeah. you know? Um, but I always felt like every time I was in the hospitality space, it felt comfortable, but also felt very, like, easy in a way, mm-hmm. right? Because it was like riding a bike, and so, <laughs> I
0: mean, I guess I guess you're, I will not say that because no, no, no. I don't
1: I don't actually know the intricacies. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You know, Easy not to execute, but it's just comfortable, right? You're like, yeah. all right, cool. We're, you know, like there's certain things like you know you work nine to five versus in a restaurant. You know, your fr- your Friday is you know you That's, don't have your Friday right. Yeah. You're working late, um, but there's also like a very gratifying part of having that you know service that goes really well, or mm. having that. Uh, those guests re- that come back and back for what you're offering and just Absolutely. you know like that, that um, just satisfaction that you can provide in many yeah. ways from the craft that you're putting together as a team so yeah I mean you know to that point I, it is very clear that hospitality is
0: major in New Orleans I mean yeah. even if we just take away like you know statistics about the businesses and the hotels and the you know luxury living if we just you know isolate the whole concept of how well people know each other just by simple human-to-human interactions and face-to-face conversations, meeting somebody at a bar, you know, like those are the things that stick with people. Those are the things that people remember about each other. Those are the things that make people want to interact again. And, And so it obviously would make the most sense, you know, to try and like dig deep in that. But also in that vein, did you find that challenging? I mean, it's a very lucrative, Type of industry here in New Orleans. Mm. I mean, did you ever find it? Did you ever have those moments where you're like, "Man, fuck this shit. I don't even want to do this no more."
1: I've had that moment with everything I've done. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And many, and many, and many times. Yeah. Um. I think you know. There's two pathways that I see, right? I think it's like, and this is where, where I am in this moment, right? Is owning businesses, right, establishing businesses, small businesses, to what end, right? And I think for me, it's just to the end of having more freedom, right, Mm. with my own time. And for that, it's not very easy to establish, but you can build structure, right? And it's learning how to build structure and getting good at building structure and building teams is, and I haven't figured it out, I'm still trying to, it never ends, but, um, but i think it's really what you do with your money and or what you do with your time as you are running businesses as you're working the corporate job as you're doing these things that are is more tangible right yeah. i think it's really like taking care of the basics whatever your retirement process looks like whatever you're putting into real estate whatever you put into the portfolios all that gives you some financial freedom and yeah. having financial freedom I think it's a goal for many of us. Absolutely. And Definitely for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, But it won't come, in my opinion, it's not going to come from one place or another. Yeah. It's really about building that lifestyle and wherever you are in that journey, getting savvier and savvier on how to do that for yourself mm-hmm. and repeating it. And ultimately, at least for me, my goal is to build and establish generational wealth. Yeah. And for that... You really have to have like more sophisticated way of thinking on what wealth so looks layers, like. Right? Yeah, it's it's about you're feeding your children's 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 right. children's
0: children. <laughs> right, right.
1: Ultimately, right. That's, um, so. I think to to your question, I think nah, restaurants is not the easiest path forward, right? We just had Ida. We're out of business for yeah. a month, right? We just had a pandemic, right? So there's a lot of roller coasters in brick and mortar businesses overall, yeah. right? Um, not to say that being online is, escapes, you escape all of that, because that's a really hard climb as well. Yeah. Um, but I just go back to what's hard. We're all, we all got to face it, right? And so, um, so I just build those two pathways. Build the business side that you're going to establish and figure what, that, what you can do well. And then at the same time, take care of home and yeah. build that as well. Absolutely. And get good at it, right? Because no one teaches you that part yeah I, I mean I'm sure that
0: balance it was difficult and at many times, especially if you got your hands in a lot of different pots
1: yeah it's still it's still being built. <laughs> I'll tell you when I'm done. Oh yeah man well
0: I'll, I'm looking forward to hearing about it <laughs> yeah. um, on the on the other hand, you know, I'm also sure that there were a lot of moments where you felt really affirmed that oh this is where I need to be mm-hmm. at this time. this is the impact that I'm meant to create in this space. Um, can you tell us a couple of those moments, some of those highs where you, you felt like you were really aligned in where you were and what you were doing?
1: Yeah, I could tell you a couple. I think one that always comes back that is very like near and dear to me, personally, uh, was when we opened our first school, the first day of school. What school was this? Uh, this was Akili Academy. Uh, it's now, in, it's in the Ninth Ward at the time. It was in Gentilly. We're a modular campus gotcha uh, this was in 2008 okay it was a kindergarten and first grade and it was after a year of doing an incubation program recruiting hiring you know I was not a, I was supporting the founders um, and it was just a full year of is this shit gonna work out you know and a lot of people committing their entire life and career to try to make this work and just having that first day of school where you're like holy shit, people showed up, kids showed up and they're ready to be taught and everybody's in their uniform and it's like a real thing. And so when the other times that I've had something like this happen is when when I've had my hands in a startup, right? Yeah. When I've had my hands in like, we put these plans together. We, you know, I think the first day at the Elysian Bar was one of those as well where, you know, we we went to bat, in terms of our contract negotiation, it took about six months, mm-hmm. you know, up more like four months, but it was intense four months. Um, it was, you know, finding staffing and yeah. creating menus and, you know, recipes. A lot of high growth. Very fast, very quickly. And then guess what? People showed up. Yeah. And they kept coming. And you're like, holy shit. Oh, we got some this, here. The, you're like, it's, <laughs> no, it's real. It's happening. Yeah. And they're like, now you have to brace for the next iteration of it. But there's a moment in time. To where you were saying, where you're like, is this gonna work? And then yeah. also it becomes very gratifying when it works well. Because yeah. a lot of things die in the battlefield in Absolutely. between opening something or not. That transition right? can that's, either be a really a rough lot of, takeoff, yeah, yeah, yeah. but. There, and there's a lot of things that just never make it to opening. Yeah. You know, whatever that is, right? And so um, that's been, I would definitely say those are very highs.
0: Nice, nice. Thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah. So um, I'm also curious, because you've had your hand in so many different pots, do you feel that there were certain industries, certain markets or certain roles that you've occupied in which you've created more impact than some of the, the other ones? Like what, what, in what spaces do you feel like you were able to, I guess, add the most value to your communities? Because it seems like that is something that you sat to accomplish in, no matter the endeavor, like that's the through line that I'm constantly seeing is, is in some way benefiting the people who are surrounding me or the, or the places where I come from. So mm-hmm. do you feel that any of, those, um, any of those spaces you've occupied has moved you closer to that than some of the others? Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that in two ways. One, there's been the immediate impact, and there's been the longer-term impact. Mm. So I'll go start with the immediate one. Yeah. Um, when I was in education, I would say my role... I was a strategy director, and I helped with the building and growing, and it was very much like an intensive incubator of starting things. You know, every school was a $5 million business with, you know, 50 employees, and now uh, you got to figure out their insurance, you got to figure out all the taxations, you got so everything was a brick and mortar. It's like launching a business constantly, yeah. right? So on – especially on the side of where I stood, that's, that was my job is to figure that part out, right? Yeah whether it was big contracts or small contracts, how the kids get picked up to who's paying for, you know, the security guards, et cetera. And in that process, not only did I open those schools, but I also was very involved with the other openings of other schools and just kind of in that education community. So I would say probably in that time, um, as my role became because I sought it up, no one gave it to me. Yeah, um, very much a connector. Mm. And in that time, I would say probably easily three to four hundred people I helped connect to direct getting hired and, and getting jobs. Right. Just like, hey, I moved in town. I want to be in education. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Or boom, here you go. Boom. Here's a job. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> you know, very quickly. Get
0: a job. Right. A job. <laughs> and
1: you know, and a lot of times it ended up being that. These two, you know, whether the person I was looking for the job and the place they were placed, they were great fits and oftentimes they just didn't know how to get to each other, right? And so I was able to influence that a lot. I was able to help out a lot of the vendors also that were locally established that were from New Orleans to try to get them into the contracting world with these schools because schools were like, I need a bus company. I don't know where the bus companies are. I just know this big behemoth one. I was like, "Well, there's a local one. Let's help you connect with them." So I would say that was definitely like the quick, easy impact. Yeah. The long-term impact, which is something that I'm working now, and I think it's something that I have my. It's it's more challenging, but I think I have more. um, It's part of my day-to-day. Is with the restaurants that I'm helping run now is very much like establishing a great work environment for every staff member that we have. Right? right. So building a a work environment where everybody feels safe, everybody can come in and, and be successful at work. Yeah. Feel included. Feel, feel included, like they belong. You know, and an equitable workplace. Absolutely. Um, that. Within the chaos of the hospitality sector, within the structures that would have been around for a long time. Those are the things that I think are much longer impact things that I'm working on, right? Mm-hmm. So it's less of like, hey, here's an email, let's get you to this, this job and I'll see you later, versus like, all right, how do we improve every day? How do we grow from this? What yeah. are we doing? And reflecting, and it's also more vulnerable, right? Because yeah. you're like, shit, I thought we were doing this right, but guess what? We have to go back and figure it out. right? You know,
0: I'm really happy that you brought up, um, I'm really happy you answered that question in the ways that you did as far as immediate wow. impact and longer-term impact, and, you know, I really particularly resonate with what you were saying about, um, you know, within within the education sector, how you have those moments about is, is this going to work or not, is this actually doing what I mean for it to do you know before the role that I'm doing right now I worked in a, I worked for an education consulting nonprofit That's right. here in New Orleans and I was a project manager and so you know during the height of the pandemic I was able to see shorter term projects I was able to see money allocated a lot easier and I heard a lot about um, I heard a lot about stories with students who were really struggling they were they were you know, 12-year-old kids who are failing their classes and their teachers know that they're good students, but they're not doing their homework because they gotta take care of their two or three younger brothers and sisters while their single parent is an essential worker. And so, you know, I got the opportunity to see how these projects that I'm managing and, how, and what we're manifesting and, and these connections that we're making to consultants are positively impacting schools and that was a very big driver for me to keep the work going because before my eyes i'm seeing the literal work that i am putting forth is improving somebody else is improving a student's life more importantly who really really needs it so my question here you know that was my drive seeing that immediate reciprocation absolutely i can imagine that for a lot of the longer term goals or, for, or or the groundwork that you lay for something greater to happen, maybe not even within the time span that you're going to see it come into fruition. I mean, mm-hmm. were you still driven to that end? I mean, what was the thing that actually was driving you, if not like an instant gratification that what I'm doing is having some sort of
1: immediate positive impact? Um, so... I'm going to answer this two ways, too. <laughs> One is continuing the road of that more impactful gratification, right? Yeah. So what I've carved out for myself when I have the time is to be able to share as much as I can with people, and particularly about business, right? And not that I know everything. It's just, like, here are the lessons that I've learned, yeah. and this is what I've seen. Happy to share it with you, um, whether it's being on a board or, you know, meeting somebody else that's, like, going into a startup or building something and just saying, hey, these are the things that I've I've seen, or how can I help you? Uh, Oftentimes, it's a couple more involved than just a lunch meeting or breakfast meeting or anything like that, but it's just, like, building relationships with people that are kind of in the lanes that, A, personally bring me a lot of personal gratification intellectually, right? Um, But on the other side, in terms of, like, the long-term gratification, I think part of Wanting to build generational wealth, wanting to uh, build institutions, right? Yeah. I think that's wh- that's that's where my mindset is now. Is like, if we can, how do we build an institution, right? Yeah. How do we put it together? What does it take? How do you come? How do you end up being a you know a place like Commander has been hundred plus years, right? History changes very dramatically, but where are we going to be fifty years from now? Yeah. And how do we put the pieces together now? Um, and guess what? It might not be here tomorrow because yeah. nothing's promised. We okay. already seen it. But now I put the intellectual effort and also the resources and the team to actually try to decipher that. right? And that learning that, that learning journey can be applied to other things. Yeah. And at, at least that's how I think, I see things. It's like, okay, if this box didn't get you know, didn't work out, what did we learn from it? And how much did we advance our knowledge? as we were trying to decide to do it. Yeah.
0: Wow, man. Um, I mean, uh, I, could, I could keep digging into so much there as well, but I'm, I'm going to switch gears yeah. instead. I, I want to learn also a little bit more about things that you're looking forward to, things that you're excited about. What are some uh, dope things that you have going on for some of your businesses that all of us could look forward to and that, um, that we might be able to also support you with
1: as members of the community? Um that's a hard, that's a, that's the hardest question you've asked. <laughs> um in particular, I think you know when you're he- right now my head is a little more down, right? So I'm like right. all right, let's get this, you know, recovery going. We've had the pandemic, we've had Ida. It's yeah. just like how do we reset and how do we set a foundation for longevity? Right. That's really what's that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what excites me. Yeah. Um in terms of beyond that, I think Pre-pandemic, we we're very much in a pathway of scaling some of the businesses that we have um, and growing them, and so I think kind of getting back to it, but honestly, not in the way that we we were thinking about it. When I say we, is my team and I, and and business partners, and kind of the executive team that's been involved in what we're doing. Um, honestly, the where I'm at now is deciphering what is a smart way to scale. Yeah, and Really reimagining what scale means for my personal life, nice, right? And just like, there's that idea of like, I need to succeed, and to succeed, I need to have X. Yeah. Versus like, what can we do, What can we do? And what can we do successfully? And that can build its own roots and grow. Right. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, <laughs> but that's, no, where totally, that's where I'm at. Totally,
0: totally, totally did. Um, yeah. Do you see yourself being the person that's going to? continue running all of these things i mean if you you have quite the team behind you do you see yourself being the person that's just going to oversee you do you think that you might want to like give these things to somebody else and start something else or just go on and do something completely different as you have throughout your journey
1: yeah that's an awesome question um nothing i've nothing i'm involved with has only been me mm-hmm. so that's always a team and i think that's the that's something that I look forward to is continue to build teams and take on new projects. Mm-hmm. So yes to, to everything you just all said. All that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's just like, how do, we, how do I build and how do I get involved in building new teams mm-hmm. or growing the teams that we have now to take on different things, right? Yeah. I think that's where my mindset is. Like, all right, there might be a project that's opportunistic. It's like, Maybe it's a brick and border, maybe it's building, you know, a brand, or maybe it's, you know, consulting. Right. Right. So how do I get myself ready? How do I build a team that can be ready to execute? Um, so that's that's where that's where I see the journey evolving. Definitely,
0: man. Uh so su- maybe not a super heavy question, I'm not gonna pre- front it. it that yeah, way, do it. but um I'm really curious, um, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? What do you want to be remembered most for throughout your journey, throughout what you've accomplished, throughout what you've created? When I think
1: of Adrian Mendez, what is it that you want me to remember? Um, thank you for asking that. That's, that's, that's something you don't necessarily think about every day. Yeah. But, but to me, what comes to mind is Having the ability to open doors. Yeah. And not only open doors to like what I was referring to, like the quick connector type of thing, but like really helping people with what I've learned through my journey. And if we really get specific about it, what I want to be impactful on is getting more black and Latinos to be owners of businesses. That part, (laughs) build their wealth, build it smartly. The hardest part is not making it, it's keeping it. Mm. We don't talk about that. And so, say that again for the people. The back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, you know, cash comes, but it goes fast. Right. And so, how do we keep it? How do we establish these roots? How do we build like real deep understanding of what goes beyond what's in front of us? Right. And how do we help each other? I don't have all the answers at all, but I think my legacy, I would like it to be someone that's pushed the envelope to get more of us on the other side and have that side, like get us beyond with what we have now. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it
0: definitely does, man. It definitely does. Um, I think we're kind of moving closer to the wrap up of this conversation, man. man, And it's been super duper dope. Um, Kind of as just a a final one for all of us who's listening. Um, What are some final key nuggets of wisdom that you have to offer to anybody who's listening to this podcast? Like, what are some things that, you know, if we remember nothing else from listening to this entire episode, what are some things that we should really take away from your journey, from your story that we might be able to apply to our journeys as entrepreneurs or as just people who have dreams of pursuing all sorts of shit that we might be able to, you know, manifest those as successfully as you have?
1: Um say yes and by that I mean when there's projects there's things that come your way um, get involved and and do it thoughtfully um, because you never know how much more that's gonna open your doors but even beyond just opening doors what you do you actually learn from these experiences right and so um, if you're in a journey of starting your own business the end point is not starting that business the end point is learning how to run that business and really the end point is how do you live beyond that business yeah and so there's there's so many ways for us to learn these things and intellectually you can learn but nothing beats doing it in the moment nothing beats whether it's like hey look let me go I want to learn about how to run restaurants I'm going to go talk to so-and-so and and let me go spend a week with them, Yeah, right? And let me just, you know, I want to open a hotel, let me go work at a front desk. And so having that kind of approach where you're like, how do I hack the learning as fast as possible? Or how do I take on projects? To me, it's been very helpful and it's continuously opened more doors because, you know, saying yes and figuring it out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. Wow. I really, really appreciate that. I'm, I'm certainly going to apply that to my journey. And oh, I mean, before I forget, clearly as uh, I am an entrepreneur that, is, that has these big, hairy, audacious goals of putting something beautiful into the world, Absolutely. Um, I want to keep having these conversations with dope people doing dope shit. Yeah. Uh, who else do you think would be like good people for me to bring onto the show?
1: Man, uh, the first person that comes to mind and it's more of on a creative side, um, Javon, DJ Rockaway. Oh, nice, nice. He's a creative. He's kind of built. <laughs> <laughs> off, 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 the,
0: off the podcast, we have uh, my homie, Andrew Albert, who also hosts his podcast, saying, no, do not give this man my guest for my podcast. do do it.
1: Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, but I also would shout out one of my really close friends who is in Houston, He's nice. not in New Orleans, but um, he's kind of had many iterations in terms of careers, from finance to operations, and now him and his wife are running an incredible, successful real estate business that kind of spreads from development to real estate um, agent agency and, and brokerage. Um, and it's been really cool to see people that kind of build their own journey. Right. Um, but I got plenty of names, but the creative side, the creatives make very special things happen. So absolutely that's what my respect is absolutely adrian
0: this has been such an amazing fulfilling enriching thoughtful conversation i really really appreciate you pulling up on me and just chatting it up i i appreciate all the nuggets all the love that you've shown all the information that you've shared i'm truly motivated and inspired by your journey i hope that all of our other listeners are as well um I'm going to just take this time to do all of my quick little shout-outs to everybody who helped put this all together. Shout-out Mr. Wolf for hosting this amazing conversation. Uh, Shout-out Exclave Spirits, who is our proud sponsor, putting this on and supporting me through all of this work. Um, Shout-out to all of you who are listening, man. This is something that I am creating from my heart. It's a journey that I'm trying to... Kind of put out into the universe and hope that it's gonna make something positive happen for somebody else. And I really appreciate you for uh, helping make me helping to push that a little bit further, Adrian. No, so thank you for I appreciate creating it, this.
1: This is from your brain into reality, and that's what you said yes to making it happen, right? And Absolutely. It, and you're putting the work behind it. And it's awesome, and I look forward to seeing the evolution of this project and you know seeing how much we push it. Thank you, man. So thank I you. I really,
0: really appreciate it, man. Uh, To everyone at home, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of NOLA Reservations. We'll see you next time.